Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 207. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Morgan Jaffe. And today, Morgan, you proposed that we talk about a rather famous utterance, the encouragement to fake it till you make it. And I'm really glad we're discussing this for the audience today, because in thinking about this phrase, I've realized that it's a lot more nuanced and intricate than I suspect a lot of people would initially consider, and certainly than I had previously considered before you suggested it. And to begin, it's not a new idea that we are what we practice, and that our habits and routes through life gradually craft our personalities and who we are to the world. It's in essence the idea that you are what you do. And so if you fake being a nice person, for example, what might that produce in us? Is it possible in this example that we become so alienated from true kindness or even forget what it's like to actually connect with and care for someone? To me, fake it till you make it implies an endpoint, after which you'll start being genuine, or at the very least, you'll stop being fake. But I look at our society today, and I feel like there are areas of our lives where it's mutually agreed upon, or an unspoken rule that you can continue faking something as long as you want, really. And even if both parties, or various sides, are aware of an insincerity, no one's going to call it out in certain cases because, and I can concede this wisdom, it is at times easier to be fake than to be genuine, to get into the muck and the complexity of life and feelings, different debates, ideas, and other things that make us human. I find it interesting that when you hear the phrase, you think of feelings, and I don't think that's something I've ever thought of before. To me, when I hear the phrase, fake it till you make it, I tend to think about skills, not feelings. Including feelings puts it in a different sort of context. That sounds like a fake person as opposed to faking a skill. But again, that's just my way of looking at it. A lot of the time, there's this idea of faking your feelings. If you pretend you're happy, then you will become happy. Whereas if you focus on the negative, then your life will be negative. And I suppose that could be a form of faking it till you make it. That's just different than how I've always pictured it. To me, fake it till you make it has always kind of been in a work setting. That's the situation I always pictured it in. Not with my feelings or my thoughts or emotions, but as if I have something to prove. And if I don't know it, well, I can learn it. I can teach it to myself, thereby faking it until I make it, until I've proven myself to others. I don't know if that's how other people see it, but that's my understanding of fake it till you make it. I really love that your mind goes to work because it illuminates something rather deep about how you, and I suspect a lot of adults, view themselves. Because most of us in full-time jobs, and even in various part-time jobs, begin to associate ourselves with the work that we do. We spend hours doing it, and it is quite literally how we pay the bills, how we keep ourselves fed and living. And as is heavily implied with this phrase itself, there's an interpersonal component. So to hear you talk about skills is also really interesting to me because it gets me thinking about how competency works in our world. And for some people, we accept and acknowledge that they won't have full competency. It takes time to learn certain things, and I think that's a rather gentle approach. 
But your allusions, and I suspect other people's direct anecdotes, suggest that in the workplace, as well as elsewhere, there's this expectation that you'll already be amazing at what you do. I wouldn't be surprised if this extended to romantic or sexual relationships where there aren't really any guides to get through these rather private and profound experiences we have with other people. And so in those contexts, I don't know how I feel about faking it till you make it, but we are gradually learning. We are always figuring ourselves out. And especially in that kind of a relationship where you're with one other person and they're viewing you, if not scrutinizing you constantly, I could see why someone might put on a facade of sorts, trying to convince the other person that you are a very distinct someone, perhaps a very confident, attractive, or competent someone. So now I'm thinking about it a little bit differently. Like I said, at first my mind went straight to work and went to thinking about skills and skill sets. But now after hearing your points, I'm thinking it's not about skills as much as it is about knowledge in general. That's what we're faking. It's the knowledge. Because with that, that ability to almost prove yourself comes respect. And maybe that's why my head first went to work. Maybe the question is also, why do we fake it till we make it? My brain goes to work because I want to be respected at work. And maybe part of that is because of what I do. I do audio. And audio tends to have a lot more males than females. There have been many times, though not always, where I'll be working with a male engineer who I can tell doesn't think I know what's going on, that I have a lot to learn. My brain automatically thinks their reasoning might be because I'm a woman. Is that in fact what they're thinking? I don't know. I'm not in their head. But it's happened so many times that I can't think of any other justification. When I first started doing radio, there might have been a lot of fake it till I make it to not prove them right. But now it's also gotten to the point where I want that respect, not because I'm faking it still, but because I feel in a way like I've deserved it. It gets really tricky really quickly. To me, what's really heartbreaking, for lack of a better word, in that story, as I suspect you're not alone and certainly not the only woman to have experienced that, is that your perception, and indeed I suspect the reality for many, is that respect is something that has to be earned through skills. And I won't deny that I respect certain skilled people more, but I would hope, probably idealistically in some sense, that a baseline of respect is given, or at a bare minimum, that disrespectful action, like presumptions of ignorance, wouldn't be people's initial behaviors. And so while I admittedly initially recoil when I hear about the concept of being fake, by the same token, if other people are going to disrespect you and not really take the time to understand who you are, might even dehumanize you, then a part of me wonders if you owe them sincerity at all. Because they're not making it easy for you to be yourself. If you don't know something, you'll be proving their point. And also, these people don't seem like the types who would instruct in a non-patronizing way. And so I completely understand that approach. And the other frustrating part is it turns into this weird cycle. I go in thinking I have the knowledge, that I know the information I need, but then I find myself asking, am I faking it? Do I really know what's going on? And it will turn into this situation where I don't even know anymore if I'm faking it or if I have, in fact, already made it. And then all that leads me to is wondering, what does it truly look like to make it? Again, if this is with feelings versus knowledge versus confidence, it's going to change from situation to situation. But what does it look like to make it? 
There are so many situations where we could be faking it till we quote unquote make it. Maybe you're cooking with someone and you want to pretend like you know what's going on and that you know how to work your way around a kitchen. You could be faking it. In my case, it's just adding more garlic, but who knows? Or when you're in school, when you're a kid, the teacher calls on you. Do you know the answer to the question? You might or might not. There might be multiple answers to said question, but that is another form of kind of faking it and trying to help yourself learn and get to an answer. Or you may be driving and you think you know the way. And maybe this is just another two personal experience because I'm incredibly directionally challenged, but I'm very stubborn and don't like asking for directions. That would be me faking it because I think in my head, well, I know I need to go north. I know this is roughly the direction of north. That doesn't mean I have made it. That doesn't mean I actually know where I'm going. But I'm trying to fake it as much as possible until I hit that landmark so that I don't need to ask for directions. But I feel like in all those examples, there's a concrete end. If you're cooking in the kitchen, you've made it if you've made a meal. It might not taste good. It might taste great. But you have a clear finish line. Or if you're in class, the answer could either very much be right or wrong. Or if you're driving around in the car, you're either going to get to where you're going or you're not. But if you're faking it so you make it with knowledge, there might not be a finish line anywhere on the horizon. So then what I guess I'm really curious about is what does making it look like? Well, at least in my mind, I think the frustrating answer I would give you is that it differs person by person. And especially with the driving example, what really calls to me is that in particularly demonstrative or showy cultures like ours, where we demonstrate our wealth, we show what we're doing on social media, etc. I think this phrase is especially important to consider because to pick on a particular example, when you look at one side effect of social media, a lot of us aren't any happier when we use it. And there has been ample research that shows that it has a negative effect on people's mental health. And so to me, the through line there is that we're so concerned with, at times, faking happiness, trying to prove to others that our internal selves are feeling X, Y, or Z, that not only do we not quote-unquote make it, but I think we create unnecessary barriers for ourselves. To me, this topic is not about trying to get other people to believe you, but to trust and believe in yourself which I know for some is going to sound over the top or overly romantic, but at the end of the day, you're alone with your thoughts and your accomplishments and your failures. At the end of your life, you're going to know what your narrative and story was. And if other people believe it, that's great. But really, I think this utterance of fake it till you make it gets down to confidence. As we've talked about, you shouldn't fake skills or ideas or creativity because these are concepts that have to be earned or discovered in some ways. But confidence, which I think is the most common it in this utterance, is a very personal thing that frankly, from where I stand, has to come from within. You won't always have it, and I'll concede that there are times when faking confidence makes sense. But true confidence comes from a place of knowing oneself and not needing others to know you. Arguably, that's one of the most compelling forms of existence. You're not trying to force a narrative or make other people believe it. It's just simply believable. It's interesting that you brought up social media because I think that's a completely different type of faking it. Because if I think about faking it as a certain type of knowledge or skill, faking a post on social media, say an image on Instagram, Well, that's a different sort of tangible thing that you're faking. 
Also, I feel like a lot of things online are just fake. Maybe that's why you originally brought in feelings and what it meant to fake those. And I don't know if social media and posting these kinds of images or statuses, I don't know if it helps with confidence necessarily. I think instead it's all about needing someone to know and believe you, even if it isn't the real you. And yes, people can get a sort of pleasure and self-acceptance by getting likes, favorites, or some sort of recognition, but I think it's only temporary. I don't think someone on social media is still going to solidly get confidence from that. It's a temporary bit of attention or a good feeling. I don't think you can make it. I think you can only fake it with that sort of social media attention. And you're absolutely right that that example relates more to feelings than knowledge, which brings me back to your use of the word cycle. And to me, that's the danger behind this utterance. But to relate it to knowledge, if you don't know something and someone presumes that you do, things could get thorny rather quickly because they'll ask you to do more and more complex things. And increasingly, you may feel more and more nervous correcting them and saying, I actually don't know how to do step one. You've now asked me to do two through ten, and I don't know how to admit to you that I just wanted to appear confident for any number of reasons. And that's very human. I've certainly found myself on the wrong end of that story before. But even with the driving example, the longer one goes without asking for directions in the case where you can't simply look it up, you might end up very, very lost. Or even in the cooking example you gave, though this cycle may not be elongated, plenty of sitcoms have dealt with jokes or similar situations where someone claims to know something and a romantic partner or someone significant in their lives says, oh, you should really do that for all of our work friends or for my parents who were coming in out of town. And we are placed in circumstances that make it rather hard to admit that we were previously faking it. And sure, it's a rock hard place scenario where you don't want to admit what you don't know, but I strongly contend that it's our culture and our perceptions of how other people will view us that makes it even harder to say sometimes, I don't currently know what I'm doing, I would like to learn, and I'm not lesser for having a lower level of competence at the moment because human beings start life as a blank slate of knowledge. And I think it's important on a certain level of vulnerability to admit that. Because once you've crossed that hurdle and acknowledged what you don't know, hopefully internally first and foremost, I think that makes us more susceptible to knowledge and learning, if you'll permit that phrasing. All I have to say is that when it comes to faking it, thank goodness for Google. I can't begin to tell you how many times someone will assume I know a lot about technology because of my age. I feel like it happens to a lot of people in our age demographic. And not wanting to prove someone wrong, I will look up on the internet how to use that tool in Photoshop that I don't know, or how to do that random thing in Excel, or how to fix that computer part when my mother asks. And I don't know if it's more for the other person or if it's for me, because off the bat, I want to say that I'm doing that for me so that I don't feel embarrassed. But what is there to be embarrassed about? It's okay to not know things. Sometimes I wonder if fake it till you make it is a different experience for men versus for women. And I wonder if in the same situation, say if someone was asking you, Kip, can you help me with this computer part? If you would say, oh, I don't know how to do it. Or if you would feel the same need to go look it up and pretend or fake having that knowledge. 
And I appreciate that you bring up gender. I hope listeners will chime in as well because I suspect they have stories. I don't know that I have sufficient evidence to talk to it except to say that after enough personal experiences of faking knowledge to appear more knowledgeable, I've realized time and again that it's come back to bite me later. And so often, especially if there's a relationship of trust with the person I'm speaking to, I'll admit right off the bat that I don't know how to do X, Y, or Z, but I will also add, which is true, that I'd like to learn if there's time to or if they have the opportunity to teach me a bit more about what they're asking me. And before we close, Morgan, as this is a particularly self-reflective and personal topic, what would you like the audience to consider after listening to our conversation? What I would love to hear from listeners is their own personal stories. Did you ever have an experience where you felt like you were faking it till you made it? Because part of what I love is hearing the anecdotes. So I would love if you all took a moment to share those with us. I'd be particularly interested to know if any of you have given this as advice to friends, loved ones, or acquaintances, and how they took it, or if you would apply it to certain people, but not encourage others to follow the same thought. I'd also love to know what's the longest you or someone you've known has faked something until they've made it, or if that time is even measurable. And finally, to me, faking it till you make it, at least in one interpretation, can mean that you're adopting the world's definition of something rather than crafting your own, because it is often easier to walk a well-worn path than to trailblaze and forge your own. And I know to some people, the following would sound ludicrous, terrifying, or both, but I think one prominent beauty in life is the option to try out your own path and figure out how you want to approach it. Obviously, this doesn't work with some things, like the practice of medicine, where there are established rules for a reason, but I'd love to hear listeners' thoughts on that. And of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Morgan and I are only two people, and certainly not the only two, who have dabbled with knowledge, feelings, or the lack thereof. So we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show, as well as supporting us on Patreon, where in exchange for your support, you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And I'm Morgan Jaffe. See you next time.